Well, this morning we're going to continue our summer of Psalms. Um, I invite you, if you have a Bible with you, you can turn in it, turn in it to Psalms 30. Otherwise, you can draw your attention to the screens. I'm going to read this psalm for us as we begin. I will extol you, O Lord, for you have drawn me up and have not let my foes rejoice over me. O Lord, my God, I cried to you for help, and you have healed me. O Lord, you have brought me, you brought up my soul from Sheol. You restored me to life from among those who go down to the pit. <clears throat> Sing praises to the Lord, O you his saints, and give thanks to his holy name. For his anger is but for a moment, and his favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes with the morning. As for me, I said in my prosperity, I shall never be moved. By your favor, O Lord, you made my mountain stand strong. You hid your face. I was dismayed. To you, O Lord, I cry, and to the Lord I plead for mercy. What profit is there in my death if I go down to the pit? Will the dust praise you? Will it tell of your faithfulness? Hear, O Lord, and be merciful to me. O Lord, be my helper. You have turned for me my mourning into dancing. You have loosed my sackcloth and clothed me with gladness that my glory may sing your praise and not be silent. O Lord, my God, I will give thanks to you forever. <clears throat> the psalm has been a psalm that's been identified as a psalm of David. It, it describes it in like a subtitle, if you would, that it was for the dedication of the, the temple However, I can share that the, the language would allow for this to be also understood as a, a dedication of his home or his palace. But the main idea that I want to draw us to is, is that, that this psalm was an invitation for us to join David in singing to the Lord praises of his holy name. Now, David bases this invitation on then a personal testimony. So the first six verses of the Psalms, you have David making this call of praise and inviting people to praise. And then the last half of this Psalm, he goes into sharing a testimony, which really was the foundation and the work that led him to be able to share this Psalm of Thanksgiving. You see in verse six that David begins his testimony a bit with a, a sense of a confession. He speaks of the fact that here he was, Self-assured. I mean, he was on Mount Prosperity. Everything was going well for him. He felt confident. He felt just self-assured that even his armies would take care of him, sustain him. Goes on to verse 7, that then he, he talks about how God needed to do a little bit of work in David's heart to really change where his eyes were focused on. Because David's eyes were focused on himself. 
God wanted to do a little work. So you see in, in this psalm, David sharing a testimony of some of God's discipline. So God hid his face, which I think is ironic when you, when you think about it. God's desire for David to be seeing him and focused on him took, took a process of hiding from David. So it says he hid his face. Um, well, this form of David, Discipline, if you would, did catch David's attention. In verse 8 to 10, you see him crying out for God's deliverance. Come, be merciful to me. He's, he's asking him to be his helper, to, to bring him out of this situation. Because he talks about having this affliction that brought him near the point of death. In verse 11, then it records how God did restore him. And so David begins to proclaim that glory. In verse 12, he makes this comment, I will not be silent. I cannot be silent. I will proclaim the glory of the work of how you restored me. So, kind of interesting, as you look at this Psalms, from 6 to 12, as he shares his testimony, that was really the work that brought him to be able to even share verses 1 through 5. It's kind of funny in some ways. He ends, he starts with where he ends. He, he was being brought to this point of praise, and, and then so as he begins to write this, he, he, he begins that with praise. So let me just share, share a summary, and then I want to dive into um, this call from David for us to join him in, in thankful praise. A, a summary here, if you would have, David invites all of us to join in a song of praise and thanksgiving. And he, he does so by illustrating this process of his failure, of God's discipline, and finally his restoration. <laughs> Which as I was studying that, I started smiling. Like, so David's saying, God, thank you so much for pulling me out of the water that you let me fall into. <laughs> you know, it was like, okay, but as then one considers that, you see how incredible loving it was for God to bring David even through this discipline process that his heart could be redirected to be focused on him for God's work and his glory. I also think it's very fitting for us to look at this in summary as well before we get there. Is that David talks about the pain of the night. And where he ended, he talks about having this attitude of thanksgiving that is beyond just the, the, the mountain of prosperity, <laughs> the points of, of, you know, everything's going right to recognizing God and being thankful for him in all situations. And I can't help but think today, many of us may be more feeling the pain of the night. You're not seeing that joy of the morning yet. And um, this call for all of us to just join in in a praise of thanksgiving may be something that's hard to grasp right now for you. So let's, let's dive in and say, what does thankfulness look like? When David's inviting us to, to lift up our voices, to sing praise to God in thankfulness, what does thankfulness look like? You know, growing up as a kid, I can't tell you how many times I heard very... What do you say? Thank you. Grandma brings you that clip-on tie. <laughs> Barry, what do you say? Thank you. 
Neighbors bring over some rhubarb dessert. Barry, what do you say? I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Being thankful. Um, I think David, early on, as he talked about being in this high place, how everything was going for him in verse 6, I think what expresses, even talked about God was the one that was a part of it, but it's so easy for us to say things rotely without meaning them, you know, whether it's I'm sorry or I'm thank you, you know, we just let them flow. But the first observation I would make from our text is to truly be singing these songs of thanksgiving, to really have a thanksgiving heart, this attitude of gratitude, if you would, um, may require that this is something we need to learn. Being thankful is a perspective we may need to learn. David did. Um, yeah, this is the 4th of July. I, I share this as an illustration for this. Uh, and I have a bit of a confession to make. Well, I grew up on a farm in South Dakota where fireworks were legal and very accessible. I, I probably have a lot of confessions to make. <laughs> Uh, but let's start with this one. I, uh, I take the 4th of July Independence Day for granted. I don't often, when this day comes around, stop and reflect of all the freedoms we have. I, I go and I'll sit at the, the fireworks display, and I'm, I'm there just judging what, dis- what display do I like best? What is it? Is it that big boom that you, know, you feel in your chest? Or is it those sparkling lights? Or is it the display of colors? It's the boom, you know, feeling that. I'm not, I'm not sitting there often reflecting truly on being thankful for our independence, our freedom. In fact, through most of the display, a little bit of story of my history, we were trained that when the, the, the whole display started building at that point, you started packing your chairs, and you, we found that we could be in the car and beat the rush home, and that was the true celebration of freedom, freedom from the traffic, you know, and all of that. So n- not sure how those displays always end, but it, it, was, it wasn't a learned, oh, I'm grateful for our freedom. And I, and I think back as I even consider this, how, how special, meaningful was freedom for those that, that actually learned it, that were in that place that they didn't have it, and they experienced this, and they came through, and they're there, and just embracing that, much like David learned this, and I'm, I'm drawn to then consider my heart and, and being thankful and, and what does that look like? Because I can hear in my head, Independence Day. Barry, what do you say? Thank you for our freedom. And, and how do we get there? And it is a recognition as we think about being thankful to God. It may mean that God brings you on a journey to do a work in your heart. David relates that he was in that place. Um, Psalms 6, 
when we are, are 36, if you look at this, as for me, I said in my prosperity, I should never be moved. You get this, I, I, I. Just David, very self-assured and confident. He wasn't going to go anywhere. He was strong. His armies were powerful. And God hides his face. God was disciplining David. He was going to take him on a lesson. There's, there's sometimes a challenge when you look at a psalms to try to connect it with like a, maybe a, hist, a, a spot in, in actually David's life and history. Um, you know, can we find this occurrence where he was sick to the point of death and then connect it there? There's some challenges, like I say, the dedication of the temple actually didn't occur till after David's life. He could have wrote it in preparation for that and even in the gathering of the supplies. It could have very much been, like I said, in the preparation for his palace. We do have an account of David being confronted for his arrogance. So I'm going to look at that other passage, but I want to be careful to say that I can't guarantee that these were completely tied together. But you can see that in this other passage that I'm going to take us to in 1 Chronicles, 2 Chronicles, it's in there, 1 Chronicles, <clears throat> that God was needing to do a work, a, a discipline in, in David's life. So I'm going to read for you from 1 Chronicles um, 21. And it's, it's, it's a bit longer of a passage, but it, it illustrates the arrogance that David had and the work that God did to uh, help him learn this lesson. So 1 Chronicles 21. Then Satan stood, be, stood against Israel and incited David to number Israel. So David said to Joab the, and the commanders of the army, go number Israel from Beersheba to Dan and bring me a report that I may know their numbers. But Joab said, may the Lord add to his people a hundred times as many as they are. Are they not my Lord, the king? All of them, my Lord's servants. Why then should my Lord require this? Why should it be a cause of guilt for Israel? But the king's word prevailed against Joab. So Joab departed and went throughout all of Israel and came back to Jerusalem. And Joab gave the sum of the numbering of the people to David and all of Israel. There were 1,100,000 men who drew the sword, and in Judah, 470,000 who drew the sword. But he did not include Levi and Benjamin in the numbering, for the king's command was abhorrent to Joab. Now in verse 7, you see God's displeasure and the beginning of his discipline. But God was displeased with this thing, and he struck Israel. And David said to God, I have sinned greatly in that I have done these things. But now please take away the iniquity of your servant, for I have acted very foolishly. And the Lord spake to, spoke to God, David seer, saying, Go and say to David, thus says the Lord, three things I offer you, choose one of them, that I might do it to you. Here's his discipline. He gave him a choice. Oh, I don't know if your parents or you ever did that. All right, here's your discipline. You get one of these three things. David got that. Here's, here's your choice. He's faced what, how God will administer his discipline. Choose what you will, either three years of famine or three months of devastation by your foes while the sword of your enemy overtakes you or else three days of the sword of the Lord. 
pestilence on the land, with the angel of the Lord destroying throughout all the territories of Israel. Now decide what answer I should return to him who sent me. Then David said to Gad, I am in great distress. Let me fall into the hands of the Lord, for his mercy is very great, but do not let me fall into the hands of man. The powerful thing here is David is being confronted with the fact that he just sinned against God. He, he, in his arrogance, was trying to number the armies of Israel. And you really shouldn't be numbering that which is not yours, even doing so. He's like starting to claim that, hey, these are my men. These are my people. This is my strength. And that was just right in the face of God who's like, hey, these are my children, my nation, my army, and, and you're not listening to me. And so David being confronted in that <clears throat> needs to, again, take his eyes off himself, put it on God, and there's this, this choices. It's a tough choice when you think about those three things. David chooses to, to come under the discipline of God's hand versus the sword of neighboring countries or whatever. How, how can he do that? Because he said, he knew God to be merciful and loving. That didn't mean it was going to be harsh, but he knew the God that was disciplining him. I mean, when you see the, the men that were lost in the difficult journey in front of them, it wasn't easy, but again, he understood the discipline and why it was there. Sometimes when God needs to change your heart, it may mean, mean a journey for us. Much like David shares this journey of an illness that brought him to the, the point of death. He needed to learn thankfulness and take his eyes off himself and put it on God. So God taking us through a learning process, sometimes we're still asked to say, thank you. But we need to recognize that thank you sometimes is a very tough thank you. Second observation I have as David shares this psalm and this call to be thankful is that being thankful is a perspective of God as our provider, our savior, our sanctifier, our healer. It looks as God is the one, not ourselves. So I've just shared thankfulness might be something that we're needing to learn to see, but also it's clearly something that needs to address the focus of what we're seeing, the focus of what we're looking at. As I mentioned before, the ironic thing is for God to, to change David's sight, to get him to focus on himself, he actually hid. He hid so that David would more see truly the result of the work of his hands, what he truly could sustain for his life. And he found out, you know, I'm not the one to be able to sustain my health, to sustain my strength. It's all in God's hands. Um, <clears throat> and then when he came to realize that, he began to cry out to, for God's mercy because he understood that the blessings of God were not due to his own entitlement. They were simply due to the incredible mercy of God. He cried out to God to be his helper because he understood that he was not self-assured. He was dependent on God for God's work for his salvation and healing. The turn that occurred in David was from himself to God. But it also was a turn that focused him from the gift to the giver. If you look at the beginning of this illustration to the end of this 
illustration, his testimony. He starts out in prosperity in both once. In the beginning, though, he, he expresses that he wasn't thankful. I mean, he was looking at himself. He, this was something that he deserved. He was entitled, if anything. What changed is his eyes went from the gift and what's in my hand to the actual one that's a giver. So this is a transformation that God took to focus his eyes on him, the God that provides all good gifts. James says, every good and perfect gift comes from above. He's the one that provides. This significant change allows us then to come to that point to be thankful to the giver even when maybe that gift hasn't yet even been given because <laughs> we're trusting in, in the person of God. It allows us then when somebody says, Barry, what do you say? <clears throat> God, thank you. Because again, it's the focus is on thanking the person who's giving that. I think a third observation here. So one, we may need to learn to see through a lesson as David shares in his testimony. We need to learn to see in this thankfulness by having our focus on God as the one who's giving this. But as David arrives and expresses this issue to be thankful in all times, I want to say that's a call that sometimes we need to be thankful even when we don't even see the the deliverance. It's, It's a thankfulness that may require seeing in the dark, if you would. Because I'm, I'm walking here and I, I can't totally see, but I'm trusting in God's provision. It's being thankful that process. <clears throat> I read an amazing story once. <clears throat> it was about some individuals who were blind that learned to be able to navigate through obstacles. Like if they were here on stage, they'd be able to walk across stage and navigate their way without running into things simply by clicking, making clicking sounds. They'd hear the echo, and in a sense, it was almost like a sonar thing where they can see. I wanted to do this earlier, but the worship team didn't let me do it with their instruments and stuff. <clears throat> but that, I think they call it echolocation, if I remember right. It's just amazing to me how you're blind, but yet can understand where things are at and navigate your way through things. Um, nothing to do with much, but we all love chasing bunnies once in a while. Just an awesome thing you'll, you'll remember next week. Um, <clears throat> David shares his testimony. He arrives at the final conclusion that he cannot be silent. He's going to proclaim God's glory. He will proclaim the glorious things he has done. He will sing in praise of thanksgiving. He claims that he will do this forever. He will proclaim the goodness and the works of God forever. Well, that's a strong statement because David may face another nightfall. He might be in another situation where he's in the pain of the night and he's waiting for the joy of the morning, but he's now made a claim that I am going to be singing praise and thankfulness to God forever. I see this very much like the message of Paul in Philippians 4, 4 to 8, where he says, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. 
Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. So both from David and Paul, you have this call to be thankful and rejoice in all times. Those requests from David and Paul, wow. To be thankful at all times seem impossible. How do you do that? Well, to have an attitude of gratitude during tough times, when you, when you can't see, when you're not sure how things are going to work out, it's possible when we know that we're with God, because God does know, and God is in control. This is part of what David is expressing, that he learned, again, of God's providence, of his provision, and how, how faithful he is. As we sang in worship, that God has never let us down. Even in those moments, sometimes when it's dark, God has not let us down and maybe doing a work of transforming our heart and, and sanctifying our life for his glory and his, and his goodness. So when I'm in the dark, I, I joke, I'm, I'm not going to try to make my way through this by clicking. I'm more of a Marco Polo guy. Marco Polo. Marco If I know where Christ is and my pursuit is to be with him, regardless of those situations, I can rest. I can know that I'm a part of his good work and his glory. And at that point is the means for us to have any hope of being thankful. Otherwise, we would be simply sadistic. (laughs) I like pain, pain of the night. You know, I'm just going to go live in one of those places where, you know, we only have, what, two hours of sunlight a day because I love just the pain of the night. We face the pain of the night because we're trusting in this sovereign good work of our Father who's with us. Knowing God to the point that when, when like David's faced with these, these three choices of punishment... He chooses to come under the hand of a merciful God. If we can know we're with him, we can trust him through those dark times. So I see David bringing us kind of through that in his testimony. Um, The fact that this might be something we learn. The fact that we need to focus on God as as David was drawn to need to focus on him and he calls out to to God's mercy and to be his helper. And And then finally we even see this drawing him to the place where he says, I won't be silent, I'll give thanks forever. And this this challenge that we would be thankful through all times as he jumps up to the beginning of the psalm where he says, I know there's weeping at night but there's joy that comes in the morning that we can be even thankful in those moments that he's sharing this. So these three observations kind of came as I was walking through the text there, but I wanted to share one more as we're kind of closing this. And this is just, as as I just meditating on this psalm, wanted to share, being thankful honestly may be a fight against our own feelings. Because our feelings follow our perception. The things that we see in front of us, the things that we're facing draw us to, to feel a certain way about things and sometimes our feelings are not based on full understanding. And, and that, then that feeling can fight against 
the work and the truth that, that God is leading us in. This, this, this challenge to be singing songs of praise at all times is, is something that we can't achieve on our own. It's not something that's, that I stand before you easily going, let's do it, all right, let's go enjoy the fourth. <laughs> there it is. It's coming with, I want to say, a, a, a sober understanding that this is a hard thing. Um, David acknowledges that, that there's weeping in the night. I love I love that in the gospel, we find the, the record of actually Jesus weeping. The, the situation was Lazarus had died. Let me, let me even turn there. John 11, <clears throat> Lazarus had passed away and Jesus was coming. And in, in John 11:20 20, it says, when, when she had said this, she went out and called her sister Mary saying in private, the teacher is here and is calling for you. And when she heard it, she rose quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. When When the Jews who were with her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary rise quickly and go out, they fouled her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. Now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, She fell at his feet, saying to him, and listen to her words, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. I love that. I don't love that she's weeping and that she's in pain. I love that it's revealed that our Savior, our God, has this compassion for how we feel in that journey. Jesus standing there had understanding, right? He knew in a moment that he was going to raise Lazarus from the dead and, and provide this incredible illustration of his power, of his work, and his glory. I mean, it was going to be pretty cool. I mean, that was about to happen. And he's so moved at this moment as Mary and others are just grieving and weeping. And I, and I, and I catch Mary because a bit right now, she's walking in the dark. She didn't see what was coming. Her comment was, Jesus, if you were here, he would not have died. And Jesus weeps. There's pain in the night, but joy comes in the morning. So the truth of us being thankful, it's not simply dismissing that there may be pain as we go through this process. We have a Savior that understands that, that is compassionate to it. But we have a promise that there is a morning. We have a promise that there is joy coming. And we have a promise that as we're going through this night, that we're not alone. That we have our, our, our Savior that can sustain us. So while I, while I share that our feelings may fight this, 
I've seen some of the most beautiful worship coming out of people who are hurting during that pain of the night. I remember sitting with my aunt and uncle after my cousin had been killed in a car accident, just driving to school, young guy, um, and just sitting with her and her start to share about her faith and her trust in God. It wasn't at a point that her Thanksgiving was coming in joy. It was in Thanksgiving and trusting that she was walking with God through this very difficult time and knowing that her son was with him as well. So we went to those points that it can be hard to give thanks. Sometimes it's like David says, I can't be silent. That song can be some of the sweetest songs of worship as we're saying, yes, God, we trust you, we praise you, we lean on you as we go forward here. So church, I, I, I guess I come back to say, what do you say? Thank you, I hope. I hope as David we say, we can't be silent. We can't be silent. Hopefully that we can come into understanding of all these good things with, without the difficult journey, but we trust God even if he's bringing us through that learning process. Let me close in prayer. Father God, thank you so much for who you are, for your love that is, is at work in our lives that's drawing us to have hearts that are focused on you, much like you did for David. And Father God, I, I pray the result of your work in our lives would be, as like this psalm, that we couldn't be silent, God, that we would be singing our praise of thanksgiving and appreciation and the, the praise of, of your holiness to the world and those around us. And God, that you would receive all the glory. God, I ask this in the, in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Would you stand for the benediction? I, I chose this benediction because, again, as we're journeying and you can't see, sometimes the answer is beyond our imagination. So hear this from Ephesians 3.20. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we could ask or imagine, according to his power that is worked within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Amen. You are dismissed. Hi, everybody. Pastor Jason here. And I want to thank you for joining us for our online worship service this morning. I pray it's been a blessing to you. I want to encourage you now to visit our church website, www.lakesfree.org. There you can find more information about our church. You can find updates on the latest happenings here at Lakes Free. And you can find an abundance of resources for further teaching, equipping, and encouragement. So please check that out. We also have a prayer link there on our homepage where you can submit prayer requests. And we would love to pray for you. And if you'd like to continue your worship by giving to the work of the Lord here at Lakes Free Church, we have a very clear and simple giving link there on our homepage, and we would appreciate your support. I want to thank you again for being with us this morning. I pray that you have a blessed week, and we will look forward to seeing you soon.